people can people can t monitor both here for us. So tell them tell oh, okay. them tell them to go to uh, regulator. Uh, you, it's YouTube forward slash regulator watch TV. So we're streaming on two places. Yeah, that's the idea here. And then let, we just see here. If... Maybe it's just my slow ass internet. That could very well be the the. Live. Oh, I better not start another live stream watching it here. Okay. Oh, you just started a new stream called Nick Green. Yeah, I just did Nick Green. Yeah, that's it. I mean, at least we'll be able to tell if if the sure. talking doesn't happen over there, then at least that we know that it's on your end. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Well, so, <laughs> dang, where were we? We got about a half hour left of talkings. Okay. So we're on both channels. That's great, you know, and I'm happy sure. because yeah. because I did this to you. I sent a virus over to you. I sent some COVID over. The, because remember, I'm trying to get subs here, right? So look at this because. deft way that I pulled your audience over to our channel, right? So see, that's how CDC makes things happen, right? You, they got yeah. you looking over here. And meanwhile, you know, you're going where they want meanwhile, you to go. Meanwhile, yeah. Don't look over here. Don't look at the stuff we're doing over here. Well, and something similar is happening in, in Canada, right? I mean, am I wrong or is, isn't Trudeau your guy uh, trying to execute some sort of emergency powers that will give him ridiculous amounts of power and control like indefinitely with, with no sign of slowing down at all? Isn't that happening in Canada? Yeah, apparently uh, during uh, my time, and look, we've got a lot of people uh, coming in on the stream here now too on sure. on RegWatch, which is great, thanks. And they're saying that um, uh, Nick has audio, video, desync here, and that is right, and that's what I'm seeing here. You're a little choppy and a little out of sync, but you're, you're moving fine. So I, yeah. I would think that maybe somehow it is probably on your end. One of the things is that... Um, okay. Well, Skype is such a pig, right? On a, yes. on the CPU. So even with OBS, um, that might be the issue. You were asking me about uh, uh, Trudeau. Yes, Trudeau. they inexplicably or or totally understandably, whichever way you'd want to look at it, uh, sure. the, the Trudeau Liberal government, which is a minority government, came out yesterday um, after working on this bill. Said, "Here's the bill we're going to pass, uh, put forward to the floor." Uh, to uh, for us to deal with emergency powers for COVID. But what it did do is right. give the cabinet a complete total control over taxation in the country. They could issue new taxes, cancel taxes, raise taxes, blah, right? With no oversight, as well as cancel patents, be able to buy shares of companies and so forth, right? So, I mean, it was a total power grab. That's that's a huge, that's excessive. That's an excessive power grab. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and it's clear for what it is. They, the, you know, the uh, mindset that's operating here, right? They, they want you to look away. And, but right. if you just look and see exactly what it is they're doing, then regardless of whether or not they're doing it on purpose or if it's incompetence or anything else, what they're doing is evil. Yeah feels evil. It feels uh, authoritarian, a little empirical, like the empire, the Darth Vader. Yeah, 1984. Thought police and things like that. Is that just the natural progression, Brent? Is that just where we're headed? Well, just I mean... Authoritarianism, and we're never going to get away from it because the more longer that time goes on, they just get stronger and stronger and we get more and more divided. Yeah, that's true. That is... It's how it happens. Uh, it's how it happened in Germany. Yes, um, and uh, and no, Trump's not Hitler. <laughs> that's not. Right, that's, not what, right. that's not the issue here. Uh, right. That's what hap That is what happens. Let me tell you why that is. Because the other part of the progressive mindset is one in which the belief is is that through social engineering, which is government mm -hmm. and education and nudging and rules and don't bully mm -hmm. and all of the stuff that's designed to make us better people, right? All of that um, is like squishing square pegs and round holes. And, and yes. eventually, eventually you have to throw out the pegs that don't fit in the holes you're trying to get them into, 
right? You smash them and then eventually you're just done with them and you got to just throw them out. There was a guy on Twitter today um, who I don't really know uh, well. He's in my feed. Uh, but, you know, he's a business businessman kind of a guy. And um, he tweets out, uh, he tweets out, he tweets out, and his name is Arthur Atkinson. And he tweets out, when this is all over, we need to have a serious national discussion on eradicating conservatism from our political landscape. What? What? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it certainly does if you're if you are a progressive, because eventually yeah. you get to the point where for those things that are unchangeable, for the unmalleable, for the ones that are not. See, this is how it works, right? Is, is this this utopia of creating the better man is about creating a better unity. So it's about creating the better society, right? It's about the society over the individual. So so everybody needs to be molded within the same manner. In mm -hmm. the, and that thinking, when it gets molded together, creates a harmony. And you can see that when, when you're talking and hearing and listening to progressives and, they, and they've got that kind of doughy-eyed or doughy thinking, and it's about unity, right? Well, it's harmony. Right. Harmony is the word. They want harmony. And you can't have frequencies that disrupt the harmony. They are actually death to harmony. So eventually what happens is that this type of thinking moved to the point where eradication of unharmed, like frequencies that are not part of the same, not creating the harmony, they have mm -hmm. to go. That's the only way to get the frequency to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I mean that's a really that's a really nice way to put something really very possibly dark. I mean that's a very hopeless sort of 1984 future of getting rid of people that don't fit the mold and eradicating the frequency that doesn't fit the harmony and you know we everybody wants the same thing, right? I mean the left and the right we want the same things. We want happy happy society, a functioning government and societal norms and things like this, right? We all want the same thing. Uh, I would argue against that because the it sounds like it's the same thing, but it's not. Individuals live in a world where, where, um, where like, from an economics perspective, so, you know, Nobel uh, Prize-winning economist, you know, uh, oh, sorry, I was thinking Friedman, but it's Hayek. And sure. his concept uh, uh, is called uh, the spontaneous order, right? And so it's right. because there's so many things that are operating with inside the world, the market and everything, it's all, and it's emotional, it's people, it's individuals. There's no uh -huh. way that one particular centralized organization could possibly keep track of all the variables within inside of any given market to be able to possibly control what and plan what happens. And so... So we understand that, and there's a whole world that's built around that, right? And ultimately, in the end, to explain that in the best way would be just to go back to Adam Smith and use the invisible hand. The invisible hand is the, is the, is the simple way to understand the complexity of the, sponta the, the spontaneous order. And that is that mm -hmm. if everybody's operating within their own self-interest, keep in mind that your own self-interest is also having a, a strong, healthy society and community— Right. So, you know, that's also in your 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 self-interest, but the interest mm -hmm. being from the individual and let allow spontaneous order through free market and through social relationships to operate without any centralized control, the world will be fine. But they're on the other end. They're like, no, it has to be a small number of experts and people and and local localizations of power controlling as many of the decision makings. And actually, you control decisions by limiting options to choose from. So their technique is to limit options to choose from in order to plan and control. So it is, okay. two, diff it is two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a deeper dive than I've uh, considered on this subject. You know, I, I yeah, that's a deeper dive than I've, than I've done on this subject. And, I, you know, I have this point of view that I think that people in general, society, uh, I think we have the overwhelming ability to do good. And 
I think that's a really I think we have the overwhelming ability to do good. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me if we have to make concessions in order to keep everybody uh, everybody safe. I don't mind making some concessions. I don't mind staying home. I don't mind practicing whatever social distancing. I don't mind washing my hands. I don't mind not touching my face. I don't mind other people having to stay home. Like I said, I'm not an unreasonable person and we can kind of make some concessions. And this is a very un-libertarian thing to say and it's a very un-right thing to say, but for the greater good, for the greater good of everybody. You know, I don't want uh, immunocompromised you know, my 72-year-old dad up in Santa Rosa, I don't want some person going, oh, I don't need to stay home, I'm and go out and sneeze on his hand, he touches a car, my dad touches the shopping cart, sick. I, I'm not going to deal with that. Well, well, he shouldn't be out. He should be the first to not be out. He should that, be that, the first to not be out, yes. Right, yeah. I mean, Grim, I'm with you 100%. And look, you know, don't, that's not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm hammering this home. Those that say right, the right... right. Those that say the right doesn't care about the world and humanity, that's that's when as soon as that's out of their mouth, you know that they're ideologically poisoned, right? right? Because the world just didn't create itself in 1890 when progressives became progressives or in 1760s and Jean-Jacques Rousseau when he came up first with this idea that human beings are born good and 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 stuff. So I mean, these are these are relatively recent ideas of mankind. Uh, in terms of the strength in which that they have captured people and the way they're thinking, it is the French Enlightenment mm-hmm. that that you know brought it along. So it it you know people who are not of that thinking do care about communities in the world. But here's what's missing: was that we also care about uh, the economy. We don't want to destroy yeah. the economy because we right. know doing that is going to cause more problems. See. It, Almost always, you can tell the difference between a progressive and a conservative. And mm-hmm. I'm not this. I'm not trying to be a pejorative here, but one makes quick, rash action without thinking of the consequences. <laughs> the other one is very deliberative, hard to move, and is constantly thinking about the consequences. Right? Yes. You got to sure. find somewhere in the middle before you crash the global economy. Yes. And house arrest tens of millions of people. And yeah. if we can't find a middle ground in there, then you're both then on either side you're 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 ideologically fucked in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yes. Do you think that this is going to be a big uh un, un unfixable market crash? I mean, the market if anything is resilient and I I believe it can adapt. In, in, in numerous ways to stay relevant now when we're talking about the economy crashing and the markets crashing and things like this. I don't think it's that severe mm-hmm. personally. Well, you don't know. I mean, look, uh, I don't know. I mean, small businesses, if they're out for three, four weeks, you are yeah. absolutely, there's no reason why this isn't a great depression easily. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, we had a stock market crash in 1929 uh, that delivered a full Great Depression. And it wasn't just the crash, it was also the Fed's reaction to it. So it was also the trying to manage the yeah. crash that made it even worse. And so we just come out of 2008. The yeah. CDC paid no attention to what their language would be uh, in, in terms of that messaging. So there was no concern to say, don't panic. There's not enough cases right now. We need to institute a two-week thing. Now, this is... This is going to be hard for everybody, but it's going to end after two weeks. Might take three. They weren't saying that. They were saying mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Last they week they were are. saying yeah, right. Yeah. So and then backed up by by their the platoons in the in in the progressive media just hammering it home. I mean Washington Post, uh, not this weekend, last weekend. So the first weekend of it, they've got a huge shot of uh, of a cemetery in Iran and said that the burial pits in Iran, the death pits actually was the headline, the death pits in Iran are so vast, they can be seen by space. Okay. Well, that seems excessive. It was excessive, and not only that, but but the picture was so clear, you could also see the guy standing there with the shovel. I'm not kidding. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, so I mean, it it was like the language 
that that uh, I've got that actual shot here. But anyhow, let me hand it to you and let me hunt for that shot. I'm getting, you know, I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting anxious because, because you know, I'm 50 years old this year, next month, mm -hmm. right? And so I went through. I remember in 1979 the absolute total crisis over interest rates. So if mm -hmm. you if you owned a house, you were on like really on fingernails because the interest rates were moving from 12 percent all the way up to 22 percent interest on your on a home loan. So Crazy. it devastated. Uh, uh, you know, Canadian, U.S. economy, and Britain, and so forth, and so that and that ushered in the 1981 recession, which was just brutal. And then a lot, you know, a lot of people won't remember this, but there was almost as an equally bad recession after the first Gulf War in 1991, and that was the full-on recession caused a lot of economic damage and set a lot of people back. And then mm -hmm. as, as things spun up and started going, you have your dot-com one and that massive, massive pump in the tunes of trillions of dollars into this brand new technology, you know, global crossing, laying down fiber optic cable across all of the world, all of the first internet companies popping up. It was massive. And then boom, March 28th, 2000, it crashed. By September, mm -hmm. gutted trillions from the market, right? And just set everything back. Nobody even talks about that anymore, but that crash was massive and then 9-11 right 9-11 right. hits and then the airlines are cut so and then yeah. 2008 and so now i'm working in the states down there and we saw 40 percent of the entire advertising uh uh market get crushed uh for, so i'm dealing with mtv executive vice president of mtv digital networks doing a major deal with them after uh, after the 2008 crash now we're into like 2009 into 2010 and just that was it the it took a while and then the pin was pulled and mm -hmm. and hundreds of you know, billions of dollars gone and that was 2008 to 2011 so yeah, i remember that i i mean there's 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 you know so you know i've seen i've seen these things and yeah. so when you watch the same people that that morning are still lying about vaping related lung illness still yeah that morning, then go on and light the fire and crash the markets. Sorry, man. There's just only going to be skepticism from me. I'm going to look for every single way in which to call that out and to let all of our viewers know they must be skeptical of CDC. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Be skeptical of CDC and be, uh, but also, also be careful. I mean, it's it's a disease. It's COVID. Wash your hands. Social distancing. I don't. I'm abiding by all of those things, as I think anybody that has the ability to should be as well. Should be as well. Also, take what to take what the CDC is saying. Ah, ah, and the World Health Organization. Oh yeah. To me, the World Health Organization is a bigger offender than the CDC is. Uh, personally, that's just how I feel. Um, especially after after vaping and Ivali and the World Health Organization saying that liquid nicotine is flam not just flammable, highly flammable, highly flammable. Just, I can't think of another way to say it. Just straight up lie, straight up lying and uh, don't have a lot of faith in the CDC or the World Health Organization in any capacity. And it's gonna get worse before it gets better, but I think it's gonna get better, Brent. It's going to get better, right? Well, yeah. I mean, eventually, at some point, what happens is that that this thing, you know, as it operates, will push as far as it can to get as much as it wants, and 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 then it'll stop, and it'll let some things come back, never like it was, um, okay. and then and then that advances the agenda for next time. I mean, we, you know, there are there are forces on this world that have a vision for this world that are yeah. different than ours or others, right? I mean, sure. communist China has got a different vision than I have. A hundred percent, 100%. And maybe even the United Kingdom has a different vision than, than what we have. Um, I mean, is this something I haven't, I'm, I'm young, I guess, I'm only 42. I mean, in the past, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but before other elections, we've had SARS and, and bird flu and, and swine flu. Um, and, and those didn't affect anything the way that, that COVID 
has affected just your your everyday life, your everyday life. I don't remember hearing about stuff like this when SARS. We didn't do this when SARS. Well, that's because well, of well, you well, there was other presidents. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. So, well, in two thousand and three, there's no way something like this could have been happening anyhow because Bush and the neocons were in power. And everything there was, you know, I mean, we were war in Iraq, right? I mean, we're still yeah, right yeah. there with 9-11. So whatever kind of government state power growth uh, were, was to happen, which did happen under the Patriot Act and so forth and yeah. national security surveillance and everything else, yeah. was happening under, uh, under Bush and the Republicans. It's really important to point out, though, that from a technical standpoint, when it comes to progressivism, on the right is just can be just as strong of a progressive. And they don't necessarily like each other. And technically, neoconservatives are actually progressives. They're right-wing progressives. And so when you see neocons battling, you know, right-wing neocons battling with, you know, the left, you know, the left progressives and they just hate each other yeah. to death, that's because they come from a same shared family of thinking, a same, a same shared kind of totalitarian uh state before individual kind of aspect because that a neocon yeah. certainly believes the state has got you know more say than the individual so they're not a true right. conservative bush too yeah. ran on compassionate conservatism too as well you mm -hmm. ask you ask anybody who's got a you know a, a critical eye and you get a little cringe there because that's a very progressive message and mitt romney is a neocon and Ugh. he's a progressive clearly yeah oh mitt romney yeah, Why do you I, even have to say that? Yeah. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I know. I want. I want. I want Crazy. your viewers to know out there that our progressive thinking that I'm not. We're, I'm not attacking them individually because there's there's absolutely no reason to say that even a large part of what progressive thinking isn't great, right? There is. I mean, yeah. for all intents and purposes, I'm a progressive. We all are in some in, in some, some ways. Yeah, for yeah. sure we are. 100%. And a hundred percent. Right. So, and, but you know, there, but that way of thinking can go far and, and that's the real critical thing. The, the third kind of thing out of it is, is this thinking of historical determinism, this belief that um, all history is moved to this moment and in the present, it's clear the forward path. And at the end of history, because progressives believe in an end of history, there will be a kingdom of heaven on earth. That's there will be a utopia that is man-made yeah. and it's on yeah. earth. Sure. Why shouldn't we be striving for that? Of well, you can only you can only get there through totalitarian control, right? Because individuals oh, okay. well, I don't want that. Yeah, individuals will prevent that from happening. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well then I, I don't want that then. Yeah. I don't want that. So yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where we're at. One last thing I wanted to throw out there is how did North or North Korea, not North Korea, how did how did we drop the ball so badly and South Korea ran with the ball and slam dunked it and tested basically everybody in their country in a span of like three days and no new cases and they did everything really, really well. And then America just did everything the worst possible way possible. So a couple of reasons then let this me first just at it's just just administration right so epidemiology is based on data that's as simple as that and when you're wanting to achieve a goal you you create um the conditions for which that the data is generated and recorded and then you know modeled to achieve your results and we've all seen that with you know stanton glance research and all of the other yeah research that's been out, out there, that's just ad nauseum, completely, totally biased from the start. They're trying to achieve an outcome. So, uh, but when you're having infectious diseases, you have no control uh, over the outcome, but what you have control over is the testing, whether you do mm -hmm. it or not. So yep. what did the CDC do when the vaping related lung illness hit? On August 30th, when they sent out their health alert action network, notice out to all of the medical professionals in the United States of America about this vaping related lung illness, they didn't ask mm -hmm. for any testing, mm -hmm. no blood, no urine. Why would they do that? Now vapors, I want you to remember that you were up in arms over that. How come they mm -hmm. weren't asking for the testing? And you're like, wow. And then, 
and then the tests come here for, C for COVID and nobody else can do it but CDC. They drag their ass. When they finally yeah. send them out, then, then they don't work. And then, they, and, mm -hmm. then, and then if it wasn't for the administration saying we have to do these testing, last week, uh, or on, on the, yeah, last week, mid last week, there was public health is already saying at CDC, well, we're already past the testing phase. We should be concentrating on, you know, moving forward and treatment and everything else. And th like that was just really suspicious to me because yeah. what are you talking about? We need to test. So when it comes to the narrative, right, they know that if you test 10 million people and 10 million people come back positive in the U.S. and there's only, you know, 500 deaths, the mortality rate there is crushed and it yeah. immediately kills the narrative. Nothing kills the narrative stops the scare, prevents the destruction of Western civilization, the gutting of the market, the huge transfer of wealth, the huge transfer of civil liberties, nothing, nothing would beat that more than huge in the millions testing. Right, actual data. Well, yeah, because actual it's gonna- Actual it, data points. Absolutely, because yeah. they're telling us how many people are dying. So if we know how many, so what's gonna happen here is that we've not got any testing data at all, at all for this whole thing, which means that CDC controls the narrative of this outbreak and disease and their response for history, because it'll mm -hmm. be CDC next year that'll be taking, okay, we finally got all of our data in that we've got, but okay, but we don't really know how many were, uh, were infected, but we know how many presented and we know how many we threw into the bucket because there's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of people that are thrown mm -hmm. into that bucket of coronavirus that were just regular flu or whatever, but they just get thrown into coronavirus. So they're going to take all that and they're going to model backwards to try to get a number of how many people were infected. And then once they have that number, then they can give the mortality rate. And that mortality rate's going to justify all their actions. So it's corrupted from the start the CDC is going to cook the books with whatever number they want to justify their actions. Mark my words on that. Consider them marked. Yes, thank you. I sir. just always wanted to say that. Well, damn it, Brent, we live in a crazy world. I'm gonna go ahead and start wrapping this here up. I appreciate everybody hanging out uh, either here or on uh, the Regulator Watch channel. I'll have a link to his channel in the description of this video, so don't even trip, don't even worry about that. Uh, watch Brent's videos. They're really great, really educational. You know, he's got his his way, and he doesn't flinch. That's what I like about it. That's what I like the most. You want me in a foxhole with you. That's all I can say. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. So if we're going to wrap this up, how long do you think we're going to be on uh, quarantine here, Brent? The you news? We're talking about, the, you know, California said kids aren't going to go back to school until next year. September. Uh, well, that's California. I mean, it's crazy. The, pe the people who love education so much really got lost the ball here, right? Because they pushed yeah. everybody out for telelearning. And then yeah. uh, five days in, all the stories come out going, well, yeah, but any of the work that they do from home will not account for grades because we can't make sure that the equity is there. You know, if people are ableism issues or, or other learning challenges or whatever, we can't guarantee that those people are gonna get the same type of education at home. So because of that, nobody can be graded for their work, right? So, right. you know, it's a real messed up system, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Dang. President Trump's message yesterday should not be taken lightly. That was came at a time that millions of people needed to hear that there could, be most likely for sure an out on this, right? right. Yeah. Because, because, you know, I, I think there's some measures in between, right? We've had, you know, infections. We've had wartime actions. I mean, let's pull the, the, the country together instead of just shunning them into the house and then allowing people to do shaming stuff on social media. Let's get people back to yeah. work. If, if somebody gets sick, put in a replacement worker. Quickly train them. Think about how many people that still need to get jobs that didn't have jobs that we can yeah. be training and putting in as like cyclical workers. We need a plan for when this kind of stuff happens next. And this thing, the way it was handled, can't happen again. So we should get mm -hmm. back to work, you know, allow people to get sick, you know, protect the, you know, the elderly and, and those that are, are susceptible to these kinds of illnesses. And let's get on with it. Let's get on with it.
Hey, I agree. Unfortunately, I think I'm, we're going to be stuck at home for a little while here in the United States and in California. Um, but yeah, that's just where we're at. The crazy world. Let's catch up, Brent. Let's revisit. Let's like in like two weeks. Let's revisit where we're at with with COVID and how the CDC is handling it, because a lot can change in two weeks. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the most can change in two weeks. Two weeks ago, everyone was saying, "Oh, in the United States, we only have like uh, you know 100 cases or 50 confirmed cases." Well, I'll tell you uh, one second. Just let me say as you're closing. The, who we have to watch out for is this, because they could come in in the next two weeks with actions oh, that take us somewhere. That's the thing is, what are the other actors out there planning? Because these people like to plan. Oh, yeah. Well, 2020 is already off to a really great start. It's only going to get better. This is going to be a crazy year, Brett Stafford. This is going to be a crazy year. One crazy year. Let's hope we live through well, it. Damn it. Yeah, let's hope we live through it. All right, well, we're going to catch up with Brent. Brent, thank you. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to hang you. up on you now. Appreciate oh. you coming out, Brent. Sounds good. I'm and let me do this. Up, uh, I'm going to do some super chats and stuff like that just to close out this stream. Sounds good. And I'm going to do the same then on my side then so because I yes. didn't get a chance to actually do that often. So you turn me off, buddy. Thanks, Nick. Brent, I'll talk at you later, man. Thank you, my friend. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye. Oh, Brent. All right. So we've got. All right, guys. So then I guess I've got a. Um, I've got a group here. I guess still on our channel. So let me just devote a little attention to you over here. I was so great to have Nick on. And it gives me an opportunity to take a look here at my chat. Yeah, Angela says only young people who have had the virus should go back to work. That's the only way you can have both. That's a fairly reasonable. That's a fairly reasonable position to have. I I don't I don't say that I've got actually anything against that. It's funny though. There is an argument in terms of um, how far do you go in terms of branding people. It's almost like creating a new class of people: those who have had COVID and those who have not. Um, I personally, uh, you know, because they say it's inevitable note this though, and CDC did bring this up yesterday and it was CDC during, uh, the, you know, the big, uh, white house briefing and it made some sense. She actually corrected a lot of the misinformation that's coming through the media with regard to how met, what percentage of the population is going to end up having, uh, COVID, uh, the virus. And she did indeed say 70%, that kind of thing, maybe up to 80% of the entire population will eventually get it. But that uh, number comes in three waves, which takes three years to get there and is based on no mitigation strategies. So essentially that number in terms of how many people will actually get it, that's not the number you need for herd immunity. That's a different kind of a ratio that uh, uh, gets the herd, Im herd immunity in place. But so that's a very interesting thing. I didn't know that. And that was some, something from the CDC. It's not like you can't listen to the CDC. You just have to definitely be questioning. Um, and I, I'm more questioning the actions still of what launched us into this thing. So that's, uh, that's interesting to note. Would I actually, you know, choose to get it? Well, probably. Why not? You know, I'd rather roll the, my dice on that especially if I get a shiny little badge that says I, I've had it, and then I get like access to all these places that others can't go because they didn't have the virus. Trust me, stuff like that is the way that, you know, uh, 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 an even greater divided society happens when those who have been exposed to a biological agent, whether it's man-made or natural, right, then achieves some form of um, priority uh, for access in everyday life. So whereas before human beings could go and citizens could go into a particular area without any problem because they were citizens, now only those who have gotten the bug and have developed immunity to the bug can go into those areas. So it starts to turn into quite a bit of a problem. 
All right. So, I mean, I'm so happy some people showed up on our channel. I do hope that you um, check the notification bell and make sure that it's all. We had a lot of reports over our last um, video, the last couple of videos that uh, that people um, were not seeing our streams. I'm going to end this because it obviously wasn't planned to be on mine. Uh, I'm going to end our thing with a bit of a three-minute read. And if anybody has any questions, now's the time to do it. So I'd love to answer a couple questions before. Hold on. Damn it. What the hell? Oh. I've got it in here. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, I'm certain that um, my brand of, uh, of critical critique is not everybody's cup of tea, that is for sure. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Okay, one second, guys. So I'll give you a view here. This is um, another piece of uh, my research software. This is Evernote, so it's where I'm throwing some stuff. So this this particular, uh, that's why. Okay, interesting, yeah, we'll do this. Okay, so this is a little bit uh, good. This is from Soul of the Marionette by John Gray. The Soul of the Marionette, A Short Inquiry into Human Freedom. And then, this will be the interesting, it's in a single book quote? Yes, it is. So this was uh, written, uh, this is from a two, 2015. Uh, the last line here, I got a little bit of a note that says I need to rewrite it when I put this into something that I'm going to use. So, But this is directly from John Gray. The idea of evil as it appears in modern secular thought is an inheritance from Christianity. To be sure, rationalists have repudiated the idea, but it is not long before they can find they cannot do without it. What has been understood as evil in the past, they insist, is error, a product of ignorance that human beings can be overcome. Here, they are repeating a Zoroastrian theme, which was absorbed. That's a very ancient religion, which Christianity actually borrowed a lot from. It's Persian. Here, they are repeating a Zoroastrian theme, which was absorbed into later versions of monotheism. The belief that, quote, as the Lord of creation, man is at the forefront of the contest between the powers of truth and untruth. But how to account for the fact that humankind is deaf to the voice of reason. At this point, rationalists invoke sinister interests, wicked priests, profiteers from superstition, malignant enemies of enlightenment, secular incarnations of the forces of evil. As so often is the case, secular thinking follows a pattern dictated by religion while suppressing religion's most valuable insights. Modern rationalists reject the idea of evil while being obsessed by it. Seeing themselves as embattled warriors in a struggle against darkness, it has not occurred to them to ask why humankind is so fond of the dark. They are left with the same problem of evil that faces religion. The difference is that religious believers know they face an insoluble difficulty, while secular believers, believers do not. Aware of the evil in themselves, traditional believers know it cannot be expelled from the world of human action. Lacking this saving insight, secular believers dream of creating a higher species. They have not noticed the fatal flaw in their schemes. Any such species will be created by actually existing human beings. And that's where he really <laughs> fell off here on, on a great bit of writing. So, so right at that very end, right, you know. So secular rationalists, he's describing progressivism here. So it's interesting. Hopefully we get through this, folks. Uh, I was very happy about uh, um, President Trump's comments yesterday. 
Obama could have made those same comments and I would have been just as happy. No doubt. This is, this is like we got to not let Western civilization die. And uh, that's as simple as that. So let me just do a quick check if there is a question that I need to get because I don't normally do this. And I think we're good. Let's see here. Spray, Sprayzor, Sprayzor. I have one. Is all people in USA under house arrest? I'm from Sweden, so I don't have any insight on that. Uh, they don't call it house arrest, but it is a lockdown. I mean, unless you're uh, uh, classified as somebody that's needed in an essential service, you're going to get stopped on the street. So California and New York, I believe, is whole states, and I think there's a couple of other ones. Um, so it's definitely in the tens of millions of people that are in house arrest. Philip Gill. Hi, Brent. I live in uh, Canary Islands in Spain, and there has been a report of a police officer who died of COVID-19, and he was in his late 30s. So it is a bit scary if you get the virus. No, 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 no. Erase that. So I'm, I'm assuming, Philip, you're a vapor. So if you're a vapor, you'll be used to the mantra of public health when every single time vapors in the tens of thousands send in letters and send in, uh, you know, respond through polls and surveys that vaping saved their lives, that flavors are important and all that, public health comes back and says, yeah, those are just anecdotal stories, man. They're anecdotal stories. We do not make health policy on anecdotal stories. We are population level data. That's what epidemiology is at the population level. So one person or 10,000 people really in varying places around the world die in different ways means nothing. And the people it means nothing the most to is public health because they are in the realm of, of population level data. So when public health's not correcting the media or encouraging that kind of thinking or whatever, they're doing it duplicitously, right? And well, look at it. The epidemic of teen vaping had no data. When that came out in 2018, in September 2018, FDA and CDC had no public data. So they started using anecdotes. So we know that they're duplicitous. We know that they will, on the one hand, say, we're not taking what you're telling us credibly because it's anecdotal. And then on the other hand, they'll go, but if we want to achieve an aim around you know, epidemic and outbreak and so forth, we'll take one or two cases and we'll turn that into a mountain. So you just can't do that. And by the way, nobody knows what kind of immune system this person had. So his age may not be a variable in this at all. So that's, I would say, no, like you just got to tune out from that because public health, certainly not even considering anything like that. It's all about the big stuff. Good question though. Stephen Taylor makes a good point. There are three processes to stopping the COVID-19 in the USA that will work each from the private sector, uh, not from government or uh, public sector. And yeah, that's true. Let me bring up here that, you know, the whole um, hydro, hydro, is it hydrochloroquine? The whole issue on chloroquine, right? It, when, when I first heard that last week, I knew exactly what that was. That's a malaria drug that has been in the field kit for every single soldier that's been in an area where there's malaria and figure how much that is uh, for a hundred years, if not more. Um, so it's an old, old drug. And so that's the thing. This was just days after they crashed the global economy and they started rolling out the draconian totalitarian measures. I mean, these things are cause huge breaks in people's psyche and the psyche of our of our people. And they didn't even bother to look to see if there was other drugs, if there was drugs out there that naturally you could go to try to help mitigate some of the damage. And that's what the private sector does. That's what we are so good at doing, which they prevented us from doing by pulling the pin on Western civilization like they did. I mean, with HIV, I mean, we threw all these different cocktails at it. And that, and that was 30 years ago. So our ability to do that now is even heightened. So I, I totally agree. It, it's just, 
is a disaster what has happened. All right, guys. And Cindy Schmidt, penalties for violating order include $250 fine, up to 30 days in jail. For the lucky ones, Cindy. For the lucky ones. No doubt. And hey, Katie. Good to see you. Yeah, the whole U.S. is under a national order to stay home. That is correct. Uh, and that's what the president is looking to lift. Um, based on what he said yesterday, I would imagine that that's going to get lifted next Tuesday, if not Monday. So that'll be the, the 14, 15 days. For sure by Wednesday. Can't happen soon enough. It's going to take so long. Uh, the other side, because there is another side that's trying to destroy Western civilization. And they're going to foot drag, uh, complain, point, accuse the whole way through. You know, California keeps the students out. I mean, all the different ways in which that they're going to disrupt this. They're going to disrupt this right through the election. Mark, come on, guys. Look, I don't talk election stuff with this that much because, you know, I don't want to get there yet because, you know, there's so much I've got to say that it's so hard for people, you know, don't want them to tune out right away, but please. This happened days after the president was acquitted in the Senate. Come on. Come on. For three years, the deep state has been doing the exact this, these exact people. CDC just, they saw the pretext. They just, they just, and they just pulled the pin. And then we're dealing with the consequences. But I mean, obviously, this has something to do with the election. Obviously. Obviously. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, um, you joining. Oh, Linzak48 says no today. He said longer today. Yeah, we'll see. If you watched the president's uh, um, briefing on Sunday, you would have got a very staid, you know, hour and a half presentation where he was talking about all the numbers for the beds and the tents and the ventilators and the gloves and all that kind of stuff and still had that kind of sheep sheepish thing you know this is a very serious and we're doing the good thing by monday he's out he's out and that's it we got to get the economy back to work boom 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 and then there's still another you know eight days to go so he's not going to continue along with monday's position publicly because he still has to do what he's doing i think he's doing a great job i, I you know honestly i support uh, I'm a Trump supporter because of Trump, but but the thing about Trump that I support is is the thing that is the most important thing. Everybody gets Trump wrong on the other side because they're ideologically poisoned, but they do know something that other conservatives or people in the middle don't know. And what they know is that Trump um, is that the, dom the dominant hegemonic ideology of the day, which is progressivism, it's no longer capitalism, it's no longer, you know, classical liberalism or anything like that. Uh, we are in the grips of a brand new dominant, dominant hegemonic ideology. The ideology is not new, the dominance is new. And they really, and rightly so, as an ideology, as this, as this thinking, you know, ideologies they fight for, for hold and power. It was, it was nailed. I mean, it was over if Hillary had won for sure over, but the election of Trump, Trump is not a true conservative in that sense. You know what he is? All you have to do is just borrow back throughout the last 250 years of history. We have it from the French revolution forward and there's a, a name for it. And that's a counter-revolutionary. And that's what I am. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'll use the word conservative because it's an easy word to use and it's best compared to anything else. But what the true sense of it is, is that I know who the enemy of Western civilization is. I know who the enemy is that wants to steal my liberty. I know who the enemy is who wants to control my thinking, that wants to force me into a position where I can say uh, what I can say and do has to first be filtered uh, by state action or other some other kind of threat of power. I mean, th and 
for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, it's been the same. And they are a revolutionary body. That's what they say they are. That's what they are. It's all about reform. It's always a revolution. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. Okay, I agree with you. And I'm a counter-revolutionary. I think that your way of doing things is going to destroy the earth. It's going to kill hundreds of millions of people. It's going to sicken people. It's going to ruin lives. So every ounce of my body and being is going to go to disrupt whatever you're doing. I don't care what it is. I'm going to disrupt it. And that's what Trump is. He's a counter-revolutionary. It makes it a little, little easier to think about it because... It, when when the opponent switches positions, you don't get startled because you're expecting them to switch positions. And you can go ahead and switch your position. I'm going to be against it. Well, how could you be against it? You were had the other one before. You don't understand. The issue isn't the issue for me. The issue is that you're poison and I'm counter-revolutionary. That's that's how you gotta you gotta meet these people there. Because that's where they are. Counter-revolutionaries throughout the world. So that's really what it is. Embrace the counter-revolutionary. Don't run with the herd. Be outside the herd.